0: We're rolling.
1: We're rolling. we drive all day. Oh. All day long. Stay tuned, cool, man. We got something special to be honest you. are listening to the full 10 yards podcast. To the 10, right to the five. in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Welcome back, guys, to Kieran's Corner. And we have a very special guest this week. I'm going to let him introduce himself. But he, before I say that, It's a very special follow up. We did a junior college episode um, a couple months ago with a guy from Laney College, the running backs coach there. But now we've got probably one of the favorites from our favorite seasons, uh, the seasons in Indy, the most explosive seasons for sure. uh, Coach Harris. How you doing? Before we get started, though, I will say eight and two finish this year.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, my first year head coach, we we finished season eight and two, won J conference championship, and uh it was a good season and for sure. You know, we had to try to get back on track from 2017 when I was out here with Coach Brown. And so uh, you know, we got it back going in 2019.
1: And you won coach of the year, am I right?
0: Yes, sir. You know, it was an honor. You know, I don't like to brag too much, but uh I got a great staff. <laughs> we have a lot of great players. So that kind of helps any coach get coach of the year when you got good players.
1: Yeah, well no, it's honestly well deserved. Uh I would that was actually one of the first questions I wanted to ask though. What was it like working with JB, man? That guy seems crazy.
0: <laughs> JB's a friend of mine, so I've known him for like 15 years. So, you know, I've been asked the question probably like, I don't know, a hundred times and so on. You know, you get what you get out of, them. you know, people like I've seen a different side of them, so it's kinda like, you know, a little bit different. You know, most people what you see on TV is uh, you know. I'm not saying it's TV, it is JB, but you know, they don't see the other side of them too at the same time. So, you know, I was fortunate enough. He, you know, I appreciate what he did for me. He got me out of my comfort zone, took me out of California, JUCO, and brought me out to the Jayhawk and independence. And, you know, you know, and that's how I'm why I'm that's the big reason why I'm here today. It's because of him. And uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to live with him for a year, you know. So, you know, while I was out here, my wife was still back home in California that first year in 2017. So you know we got to experience and go through it together. So you know I ain't got nothing but love for him and so on.
1: Was was it a big adjustment going to like Kansas? Because I know you were coaching in California for like twelve plus years at junior colleges out there. Was it? Was it sort of a culture shock?
0: Uh, I, you know, be honest, I've never been to Kansas, you know, that wasn't one of the states that basically was on my bucket list and so on. But I'm glad I had the opportunity. You know, I came out here a couple of times to uh to work out, you know, his offensive alignment a little bit. And when I came out here those couple of times, I just kind of fell in love with the small town and just, you know, the slower pace of life and just the opportunity to coach football full time and just seeing the support in the town and on campus with, you know, for indie football. So it kind of worked out, you know, you know, you hustle and bustle in California and you're commuting and, you know, you that seen it not realistically, California junior college is good football, but it's, you got the kids part-time out here. We got the kids all day. It's like, I'm around these kids more. I'm around, you know, my own family. So, you know, that's the huge difference. So it's been a blessing so far.
1: Well, wow, that was actually one of the questions I wanted to ask. Cause when we spoke to coach Hill from, uh, Laney he was at Boise State for a while and he said it's sort of good to go to a school like that because there's nothing else to do it's in in the middle of nowhere do you think that benefits your players sort of being kind of isolated because they don't have anything to do but football
0: yeah, they come out here basically just, to, you know, most of them, I would be lying, I'm not going to lie to you, most of them come out here to play football. You know, the academics parts come along with it, but they come out here to play football. And, you know, it's it's a great, you know, there are bigger places in Kansas. You know, we're just fortunate enough to be in southeast Kansas where, you know, we're real world, 8,500 people. And, you know, and so it's a small town. It's a great community. And there's not a lot to do, you know, which, you know, I'm fortunate that when I recruit, I'm able to go recruit the South and the Midwest. And, you know, some of the bigger football FBS programs are in smaller towns, too, at the same time. That's not saying that our kids don't find things to do because they are college kids and there are a ton of colleges in in kansas and you know besides ku and k-state and so they get around to do their college activities but you know out here they're focused mainly on we want academics and football and we we bring them in for a particular reason that you know to play football and get a degree and and move on hopefully play division one
1: that was actually one of the questions I, i wanted to ask as well how does recruiting sort of work um if you're not recruiting guys out of high school do you sort of have to sort of keep an ear to the pavement around um, who's doing what at certain colleges and just trying to pick guys up like that or is it more of a case of you know seeing who's uh, coming out of high school and then following up on that as well?
0: Yeah we kind of use like four there's four different ways we're actually about to hit the road you know uh, you know in in about a week and so to go trying to find some ball players for 2021. But, you know, of course, you have your friends that are in the college ranks or your friends that are in high school. So you have your personal, you know, that will put you on some leads to some kids. Like my phone rings off the hook or gets text messages all the time about they're sending me huddle links or just different kids' films about, you know, they want you to look at and evaluate the kid. And, you know, then we pay for a couple of recruiting services as well. So, you know, because we cover so much ground. And, you know, even though I have a fairly large staff, we cover so much ground it's still hard, and you know, and with the budgets that we have right now, you know, it's it's tough to cover everywhere. So we, I pay for a couple of recruiting services, and school helps me out with that, of course. And then, of course, you know, you have you know your college coaches, uh, you know, they kind of help you out, you know, kind of their kids are li- if their kids are leaving or if they're hitting the portal or whatever, and then you got the old fashioned hard way, which we're about to do an experience where we just hit the ground running and we'll go out and we'll send some guys out to some different States and, you know, and we'll be out for about a week, six, five, six days at a time. And we just hit the pavement and just kind of find, you know, that, that kid, you know, that we've been evaluating the last couple of months or, I mean, you know, you don't, you're not able to cover as much ground, but you're able to get out there and kind of see kids in person, talk to coaches. And, you know, it's, it's just a great time, you know, you know, we're able to get out there and just see a different part of the country and, and have fun and go recruit.
1: Does um, Did you think Netflix sort of helped or hindered recruiting in a way? Because people got to see maybe behind the scenes, especially kids who didn't know what to expect going into a junior college.
0: You know, in 2016, you know, props to JB, he came in and, you know, he took a program that was down, you know, for 30 years. And in and 2016, they came out and they were able to win, I believe, five games. They went five and four that year, okay? And that kind of gave them some, a little bit of notoriety about kind of what he was trying to do. And then in 2017, when Netflix, you know, Greg Whiteley and his staff came in, you know, yes, of course it helped. You know, you can kind of go in any school in the country basically, and they know about last chance you, you know, whether it be East Mississippi, whether it be independence or whether it be Laney college and so on. So to say it didn't help, you know, is, you know, I'll be fabricating the truth a little bit right then and there. So when we hit the road, you know, they might not know who coach Harris is, but they know who, what the indie brand, you know, everybody know who coach Brown is. So yeah. It's like, he's you know, he's I, well yeah, famous. Yeah. So when I used to go to places with him, it, it's like, Oh, the JB Coach Brown. you know, but, uh, you know, last chance you helped us, you know, of course. And, you know, he gave us a name. Now, you know, with them gone, being gone this past year, we just got to continue doing what we do. You know, they you know, they put us kind of in a spotlight. It's very similar to East Mississippi. But now, you know, what we do when we're in that spotlight is up to us, you know, myself, the coaching staff, and then the players, you know.
1: So a guy I talk about frequently on our college football podcast is actually Rakeem Boyd. I love that guy. I think he's an NFL back. Maybe saw a different side to him on the show, but a guy I thought was a massive waste of talent, but had a stinking attitude, was Malik Henry. Do you think a guy like him, do you think the cameras negatively affected him because he wanted to play up for the cameras? Was he always like that, or do you think the cameras brought out the worst in him?
0: No, you know the first thing you gotta understand is controversy sales. Controversy controversy is gonna get viewers. And everybody nobody wants to see, you know, just a normal, clean-cut dude that's gonna go to class every day and you know be a great football player. You know, there there's thousands of those kids out there right now. So when you're dealing with, you know, Netflix and you're dealing with, you know, just TV shows in general and just you know the spotlight, controversy sells. Malik is a great hell of an athlete, and you'll probably see Malik playing football again, you know, somewhere, but he's, he's not like that off the field, you know what I'm saying, by far, Malik is not that type of kid, like, we can sit in a conversation, just how me and you are holding a conversation right now, and you'd be like, man, that's no way that's the same kid, and so on like that, so, with that being said, you know, there's two sides. This is the same thing with JB. You know, everybody asks me, JB, you know, what's going on with him? Is he that crazy all the time? There's a whole different side to JB that a lot of people don't see, and there's a whole different side to Malik that a lot of people don't see at the same time as well. So he's a competitor, though, and he's very competitive. And, you know, sometimes it kind of, you know, taints attitude a little bit, you know, but, uh, you know, you can't take it away from him. He can spin the ball, and he's a and he's he's a pretty smart, intelligent football player.
1: Yeah, he seemed super fired up, and I, I actually liked that he was. Maybe he gets his better judgment, but he was going out there and calling plays and stuff. You don't really see that from quarterbacks young as him. But obviously, people said he's incredibly cerebral, and he really knows the game of football. But obviously, like as like I mentioned, Raheem Boyd, who has the potential to be an NFL back what's your sort of maybe not even a player in particular but what's what's the sort of great success stories you've had even if it's maybe not even a guy going on to the NFL or going pro or to a four-year school just a guy who you've seen the biggest improvement in on and off the field
0: man you know you talk like Rakeem is just a great, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to talk about Rakeem a little bit for a quick second. Rakeem, Rakeem is just a great athlete, you know what I'm saying? Sign text in him out of high school. But, uh, you know, he has a story too, you know, and a lot of people don't know the story. And, you know, you look at Rakeem and, you know, and I still talk to him this today and, you know, he's doing a great job over there at Arkansas. And basically, you know, his story behind him has to do, you know, with Katrina when he was living in Louisiana and, you know, coming, you know, moving to Houston and, you know, doing his thing there. And, you know, then going to Texas A&M and of course coming to independence and now he's at Arkansas, but we get a lot of those type of kids, you know, I think, you know, junior colleges is, is a great opportunity for kids that just need second chances. And, you know, we get kids all the time that, you know, and kids. That's what we got to understand. Kids are kids and like they do dumb stuff when they're younger. And that doesn't mean we just write them off. And I think that's a lot of times, you know, what we're, we're overlooking right there that you get a kid that that does something dumb and they're asking like, why are you going to take this kid? Why are you going to take a shot on this kid? Because he did a stupid thing when he was dumb and that doesn't mean he doesn't have a good another uh he shouldn't get a second opportunity or another chance so you know we got quite a few kids like that you know that we've seen just from when I'm coaching junior college in California to here you know at Independence you know we got a you know we got a kid right now you know a running back who's who, who really dang good and he has a story too is Tavion Thomas he's a bounce back from Cincinnati and you know just to kind of see these kids get the opportunity because realistically, a lot of these kids were were saving their lives. And when I say saving their lives, it's because without football, they wouldn't have a chance. You know, our job is a little bit different. And I'm like we, me and JB always used to talk about we're kind of juco to the fullest. And so when what I mean by that is is basically we, we want the kids to be successful in life and so on. And their next stop is junior college. So our goal and our job is to get them out of junior college and get them back to the division one level. And so we run across a lot of these kids all the time and all the kids have stories, man, they all have, they all have a story and so on, you know, running, another good running back was Jamal Scott, you know, kid who didn't qualify out of high school, came out of big time high school in California. He actually played for me a year in at the junior college that I was at in California. And I was still coaching at that junior college at the time. And I just knew how hard it would be for him to graduate. He needed to be in a place like independence where it's, you know, a smaller, classroom environment smaller number of kids you know on campus just you know the resources he has you know and 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 that we have here and so I sent him out here before I even left Chafee not knowing I was going to leave Chafee and just get a kid like that graduated you know and just moving him on to eastern Illinois and you know it's just unfortunate he's still not there and I still think he he'll play again but he's like one of the success stories and then you know, you got, you know, you got a kid like Dane, you know, who left, uh, you know, Virginia military, okay, VMI. And, you know, he left for his own personal reasons. And, you know, he was able to come here and you know they said this kid can play power five football and shoot, he had 20 power five offers coming out of uh, Indy. And, you know, he chose to go to Cal and everybody was like, why are you going to Cal? Shoot, you got Texas a and you got Texas, you got Virginia, you got Virginia Tech, you know, but he chose to go to Cal, and you know, and look at him. He'll probably, you know, once all said and done, this COVID thing is over, he'll probably be a top three rounder, you know, playing in the Pac-12. So there, there's a lot of guys like that. Now, you know, we get kids from other community colleges that don't play at all, and then they come here and and just they just get that chance and that opportunity, you know. And shoot, we got them. They're starting for Maryland right now. And so so there's a lot of kids. You know, we have a guard that you know left. We see a lot of people think that we just get the kids trouble or that don't qualify, that don't you know, that don't have grades, and we get kids that you know leave Division One schools because they believe they can play at a higher level too. So it's kind of like just an op- another opportunity, a second chance. You know, you take a kid, you know, and you know that leaves the FCS school and his because his dreams to play FBS football, and he want you know he has one shot, he has one year left to JUCO, like Jahari. You know what I'm saying? And uh, he has one shot left one more year. He comes into independence and he he plays, he starts for us. And, you know, he gets Purdue, he gets, you know, Jahari Branch. She was out of Eastern Illinois, Chicago kid. He had one FCS offer out of high school and, you know, he goes there, you know, he develops, he gets a little bigger. Of course, he has an attitude like a, a mean streak to him, but he wanted to play FBS football. And now the kid's starting at Maryland. He started left guard at Maryland. So, you know, if those success stories make it worthwhile, of working all the long hours and, you know, the grind and so on like that.
1: Yeah. Well, obviously we see, well, it's, it's like you said as well, they are just kids and mm-hmm. I, I don't think any of us would, uh, would, would uh, begrudge a second chance if we did some of the stupid stuff we did when we were kids. I think everyone does it. I think it also, isn't great that these kids are scrutinized in the media, especially the ones at D1 colleges. They are under a microscope 90% of the time. Um, But do you think some of these guys who maybe are a bit more ignorant to the trouble they've caused or maybe – how do how do I say it? Maybe that they, maybe they're not as appreciative of the gifts that they have. Do you think maybe going to JUCO straightens their ego out a bit and maybe makes them realize what they what they should be doing?
0: Oh, no doubt about it. You know, you take a 17, 18 year old kid because nowadays kids are enrolling early into the Division One schools. And they're not ready mentally, you know what I'm saying? Physically, they could be ready, but mentally, they're not ready. They're not mature enough. And they get in there and they make, you know, make mistakes or, you know what I'm saying? They have their growing pains. You call them growing pains. Just like how we see the freshmen come in and have growing pains. And they get there and, you know, some of these kids, you know, you get all the gear. You get to play, fly. You get to play in front of 80,000. You know, these are dreams that everybody wish they can do, you know. And then they get there and they do something dumb, maybe like, not pass a couple classes or get caught smoking or you know, just whatever it might be. And they take that for granted and so on. You got the best of facilities, you got the best food, you're getting a check every, you know, and that's what everybody looks forward to. That's what their goal is. Like every one of our kids, I'm, I, there's not one kid on our team that would not say hey, I'm just going to go D two. All of them want to play Division one. That doesn't mean they're all Division one athletes. That means they just all want to play Division one. They all want to fly. They all want to play in front of eighty Dow. They all want to, you know, what I'm saying, get the best gear and so on the, the Nike or the Under Armour contract. So, but when they get there and they realize they don't realize, excuse me, they don't realize what they have. And then, so coming back to junior college, man, you get down here and they always talk about the struggle, the struggle, the struggle, because we, you know, it's not like, you know, there's a lot of kids that wish they were at Indy or other junior colleges. I'm not going to take that, you know, because realistically, there are more kids who want to go play football than there are places to play football. You know what I'm saying? We turn down kids every day and it's, you know, I wish we could scholarship kids. Like all all the kids but we can't do that but when they get here and they see compared to facilities that independence to texas a m or you know what i'm saying or alabama or even lsu or you know what i'm saying florida and it's like it's a huge difference okay and what do you, what do you mean i don't get my my, my stipend check you know uh, this is the cafeteria. you know just to compare and contrast the difference that's the struggle right then and there. And then you're telling them, like, okay, you're not going to be able to go back to D1 unless you get an associate's degree. And then you got Coach Harris and his staff, you know, class checking. You got to be on time. And you got to, you know what I'm saying, five minutes early. And, you know, you better go to class. Or I'm going to run the dog crap out of you. You know, you got all this stuff and what they're doing. And they're just like, man, this is – and then, you know, Coach, where is where's the gear? Well, this is what you get. You know what I'm saying? This is what we have. You know, where is this type? Nope, this is what you got right here. You know, so that right then and there teaches kids how to mature and grow up and they want to get out of community college. They want to get out of JUCO. It's not because they don't like being here at independence. You know what I'm saying? They love us. They just like, they want to get to back where they were, they were at the first time. They realize that, you know, they messed up, you know, so we deal with that all the time.
1: Yeah. I was about to say, like, they probably go, especially if they're normally a top athlete at high school, they're going from big fish, small pond to being, yeah. you know, a <laughs> big fish in a big pond. And then, kind of get humbled a bit maybe by having to go to a juco but maybe realizing what they had when they were d1 in terms of facilities and all that sort of thing but i feel like at least from a coach's perspective you guys uh care more about the athletes as individuals than you do as athletes because it might just come across in netflix but it seems like you guys are putting more of an effort into these kids as human beings than maybe these big D1 football factories do. Cause you're making sure guys are going to class. You're making sure guys are eating properly. You're making sure everyone's getting their work done on time and taking care of themselves where it seems like maybe an Alabama or a Florida or something. It's just, we just need you to be on the field and performing as best you can. Do you think that personal touch helps these guys develop more as, as human beings as well as athletes?
0: Yeah, you know, there's pressures everywhere. You know, I'm not saying, you know, that's it's a different type of coaching and so on. And so, you know, as you progress up the ladder, you start to see a more uh, a business-oriented mindset. And so here, you know, we ask a lot of our kids and I ask a lot of our coaches and so on. And basically, you know, when our coaches come in, I hire a coach and I tell them it's a little bit different. When I interview them, I said, because realistically, it's 30% football. And they look at me like, what? And like 30%. And I was the same way when JB brought me on. I thought I was going to come out here and I get to watch film all day, X's and O's and, you know, coach on the field and, Nah, it's not like that, you know, we're dorm checking kids, we're breakfast checking kids, we're making sure they're in class, we're, you know what I'm saying, we're sometimes walking the kids to class, you know, we're curfew checking, we got them in study hall, you know, we're meeting with them throughout the day, we're, we're, you know, we're our own strength coaches and, you know, we're our own tutors and we're our own sometimes financial aid and so on. And so we got, we got multiple hats that we wear. And I think, you know, that shows the kids, the kids, you know, when we talk about the word kids, like we're still talking about 18, 19, 20 year old young men, but they see all the stuff that we do for them. Like, so they can be successful. And I tell them all the time, for 10 years, I still might be in Independence Community College. I still might be in Independence, Kansas. You know, I said, but you'll be on and gone somewhere, either possibly maybe in the league or you'll be, you know, graduated with a bachelor's degree or you start your own family. But they'll remember all the hard work that we did to get them, we call it to the yard. And like, you know, getting them to the yard means a couple of different things, getting them to the practice or getting them to the game or just getting them to the graduation and then getting them to that, you know, that table where they sign that scholarship—that's what we mean by getting them to the yard. And sometimes they—they they look at us and they're like, "Dang, I don't even want to be a coach." You know what I'm saying? So they you know—our days sometimes start at five fifteen in the morning, and then you know, we go, we go to eight o'clock at night. And so it's all we're doing is spending seventy percent of our time chasing these kids around. We graduated fifty-one kids last year, you know. 36 in December and December 15th, virtually. But that's because of all the hard work of the staff, you know. And that's just not just my football staff. That's the whole school in general, the support staff. Like, we have a great academic coordinator. She busts her butt. You know, she deals with multiple kids, and she's dealing with them just like I'm dealing with them. And then, you know, the instructors, you know, how would you like to have a class? And you sit up there and say you got 20 kids in the class, and 19 of them are football players. And they're just <laughs> looking at you. Straight out of practice, and they're like, "Man, I'm tired." Some of them showered, some of them is not, you know. And you know, they'll play, they'll practice, live weights, play football all day long. But when we talk about going to class, some of them just that's just not what they want to do. So we got to force feed that. So I, you know, hats off to our instructors, and then you know, the people in the community. Like we got a lot of people that are willing to kind of you know give up their time and help out, you know, just with our players. And so it's like a, it's a huge huge job and task and but it takes a lot and I think our players recognize that because they got friends at other places you know that's one thing about football football is one big fraternity and so what happens is they'll have friends at other junior colleges and they'll tell them like hey man Coach Harris is getting us up at six o'clock in the morning for workouts and they're like they're in their like for real, you know they're comparing and contrasting to other places and then when they see all our guys walk across stage and then we see all our guys who get Division One offers and sign scholarships, and you know, then they're like, okay, it's all worth it. And I think when they see that, they you know how we're helping them get out the uh, struggle, they're very appreciative, and then that allows us to coach them hard. You know, you know, and I learned that you know from JB. You got a long time ago. You're gonna coach them hard. You gotta love them up a little bit. And so you know, we coach them hard. And we're on their case, but we'll love them up. And part of the way that the part of the uh, of loving them up is get them to the yard
1: yeah I was about to say that's one of the things that I think even people like my girlfriend for example she's not a fan she doesn't like sports really that much but she yeah. loves last chance you because she <laughs> sees what you guys do and she sees you guys almost like social workers in a way because you are helping mm-hmm. develop these young men mm-hmm. into adults at, at, at this point point. and um you you do so much that I think really up until this documentary remained unseen how hard you guys actually work helping develop these guys which is what is why this is probably kind of a deep question to ask but what's been your highest and lowest moments while coaching not just the independence but being a coach in general
0: man i think I think the highest moments, it's not even winning championships. You know, I won't, we won a lot of games. before. You know, you're going to win some years, you're going to lose some other years. You know, I kind of compare it to like, you know, uh, LSU right now.
1: I'm an they, LSU fan, so I, I completely yeah. get it. Like this you're season, gonna, we've yeah. fallen apart.
0: You're going to have those years, you know, I'm saying? and it's not to say that the coaches are not trying because no coach wants to go out there and say they're going to not coach to win. But you're going to have those years. So, it's like the wins are going to be there, but I think the highs are when you see a kid who was written off and basically had no opportunity at all to even play college football, let alone earn a scholarship to whatever school and then move on and, you know, watch his parents come and watch him graduate, walk across stage, and then watch his parents sign a scholarship somewhere, and he'd be the first one to kind of go to college. That's kind of like the – that's better than anything right then and there, you know. I think the lows is kind of is kind of see and hear because your, your girlfriend is right. It's like we are kind of like social workers a little bit. And I think, you know, and, you know, a lot of people that has been around the program kind of understand what we're talking about because it takes, you know, an army to run this thing. But the, some of the baggage that the kids have, and this is the tragedy that comes with the kids. You know, we've had players that sisters get murdered, brothers get murdered, mom and dad passed, you know what I'm saying? And so – just the amount of tragedies that these kids go through that they got to put on their shoulders at 18 and 19 years old, you, you understand why that they don't care about no dang class book or, or you know or, or or you know reading and writing an essay or anything like that. You know they're just it's kind of like Maslow hierarchy of needs. You know their kids are just trying to survive a little bit, and so it kind of gets to you every once in a while. And so really that puts it into a different perspective, kind of why we're doing this. And so you know it I don't know it just seeing these kids from all different walks of life and all backgrounds. And then realistically, we got to open, I got to open door policies. Our kids come in all the time, knock on the door when they want to get away. And you see a, you know, a grown man sit up here and cry in your office because his sister just got murdered or his brother just got murdered, but don't want to go back home because they know it could happen to him or don't want to go back home because independence is the safe spot, you know, that, that gets to you and so on. And then, of course, they, they want your opinion. And then you tell them, like, I'm like, I'm not going to tell you never not to go back home to your sister or brother's funeral and, you know, have hate me five years from now. So I tell them, you got to, you know, of course, part of the process is grieving and part of the process is going back. But these kids, this is, this is some, this is all they got right here. Some of the stuff they, they show up with, two bags and I'm not talking about suitcases sometimes I'm talking about trash bags and you know just to see that we kind of take for granted how good we have it sometimes and so you know that kind of pushes us a little bit harder to kind of get the kid somewhere where he's going to have shelter where he's going to have food where the kid's going to be able to play football and get an education and so on like that so
1: yeah I think I think that's what a lot of people love about the show it's just it's heartwarming because you guys look like you maybe sleep Two, three hours a night because you're out there tr- training guys, they're looking after them, making sure they're at classes, uh, stuff like that. It's just in- incredible. Uh, but I do want to talk about JB real quick, especially yeah. how fired up he gets when you in the first season at Indy when you beat. Uh, I think it's when you beat Garden City. Yes. Oh, God damn, I, I wanted to run on that field with JB and punch that Garden City coach in the mouth, bro. I was so angry. I was loving that. Did, did – does his – do you sort of carry that energy as well? Do you get that fired up uh, at games, or, or are you a little bit more reserved?
0: It's like everybody's different. It's, it's, it's a little bit deeper between him and Sims and so on. And, like, you got to understand, football – is a emotional, violent sport, you know, and I say emotional and violent. So it causes you to, you know, come out sometimes out your comfort zone, out your character and so on. So realistically, like Sims was in the office a couple weeks ago over here recruiting and so on. So there's no animosity towards him. And I don't know, I think him JB might talk and so on, but it's just like, you know, we all want to win, you know, and that's no doubt about it. And so we're going to try to do whatever we, To win, and you know, and JB used to work with for Sam, so it was kind of a little bit, you know, a little history right there. But you know, I've been where I've worked for coaches that get more excited and more amped up than JB, believe it or not. You know, it's yeah, it's crazy, it's just like, yeah, it's just like, you know. It is what it is. It's just your passion, you know. Most people classify them just because of the language and everything like that. But you know, we're here to win, and that's what we want to do. And you know, you're always here to prove the other person wrong, and so on. So, you know, without trying to beat around the bush too much, it's like he, you know, he like he gets guys going, and that's the, that's what he does. And so sometimes, but realistically, you gotta understand my kids have stayed at his house. My wife has stayed at his house. You know what I'm saying? It's like they like they come Uncle JB. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like it's it's more T V.
1: <laughs> yeah, he what I really liked was when he got the chant going in the uh first season at um, Indy. Those guys are ready to run for a brick rule for him. And I was too. I was up out of my seat. I was loving that. I was intense. I really I really like that he can really he really brings the locker room together. It seems like he's a really good motivator as well as like yeah. a fairly competent strategist as well. And and that's what you gotta
0: do. You gotta you gotta motivate these kids sometimes. to Get out there on that field and so on.
1: Yeah, if you see me get hyped before any sports event, like when LSU played Clemson in the national oh, championship, bro, yeah. I, I I literally could have had a fist fight with <laughs> Wayne Johnson. I'd have beat him. I don't matter. I was that fired up. I was yeah. ready. I was ready for war, man. But um. We're gonna we're gonna move to just, just sort of last few questions now. Just some things maybe for some younger listeners of ours. What advice do you have for players who are trying to get recruited, not only by junior colleges, but for maybe D1 colleges where you kind of see what they're looking for?
0: Hey, you know, your yeah, academics, man. You know, that you know, I know co NC2A is doing some adjustments, I could adjustments because of the COVID situation, but you gotta have, man, we come across so many athletes that you know that just are non-qualifiers it makes your life a lot easier if you're gonna qualify and then and then to buy in you know wherever school you're at you know just buy in and so because here's the thing about it we watched just in the last week and a half like 600 kids we evaluated 600 kids just that's all we've been doing is watching film watching film and we'll evaluate another 600 within another month you know even though we're off so If you're good enough, somebody's gonna find you. It's almost like the NFL, you know? So just continue doing what you're doing, like working off season, you know, work, you know, work behind closed doors. That's, That's what they say, like, you know, work when nobody's watching you and so on, it all pay off. You know, you'll be surprised a lot. So many kids are not ready to play when they come to us. You know what I'm saying? They were great high school kids Okay, but well there and there's a difference, you know. They're you know, they're really good in high school and then they get here and it's a it's a it's a huge difference. Now you're taking that 18-year-old kid, he's playing against that 20-year-old kid, bounce back from UW or something like that. It's a totally different story. So just continue to work, continue to grow, and then and take coaching. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing about it, take coaching. There's so many kids out there they're getting Coached by a lot of different people, you know. You got your travel teams, you got your personal coach, you got your seven on seven coach, you got your high school coach, you got your parents, and so on like that. And so they're getting coached by so many guys that you know, yeah, just they just got to learn how to take coaching when they get to that level. And you know, that's the one good thing our our players buy into what we're trying to say and then what we're trying to do. And so we we'll gotta just continue that.
1: Yeah, the next question's actually very similar and it's more for people like myself actually who are who are looking to try and be coaches and who have limited coaching experience and obviously because of covid we can't really coach right now but what advice do you have for young coaches who want to sort of start coaching at the college level especially the junior college level because i feel like after last chance you that's what i want to do i want to go coach at a junior college at some point because I want to change lives rather than just yeah. put talent in the NFL
0: hey hey don't don't chase the money because it's not no one it's not a money right off you know but the money will come if you do what you're supposed to do you know you get I get resumes all the time from guys and you know and they have like full-time teaching jobs and full-time jobs here and there and you know you're not going to make a lot of money right off the bat and so on like that, like, a sacrifice. If I told you what me and my wife gave up for me to come out here, you know, to chase the dream, you know, you'd be like, hell no, you didn't do that, but you did, <laughs> you know? So, but, and then two is like, you gotta evaluate your work ethic. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people can't handle the work, the grind. And so, and I'm not saying every place is like that, but everybody has a goal. Like they don't, you don't find too many guys that just say my last stop is gonna be Juco because everybody, you know what I'm saying? Are, you know, wants to kind of move up the ladder. That just that's just like in regular education. Like you know, I taught public education nineteen years. You got teachers that want to move up to vice principals that want to be sooner. they want to be principals. You know what I'm saying? You got coaches that want to be athletic directors and so on. So you you're gonna want guys to kind of move up the ranks and so on. So, but you got to evaluate your work ethic and so on. And you know. I think a lot of people assume they just see like the glory side. They don't see the grind behind the scenes and so on that we have to, that our guys do and a lot of other places do and so on. They just, And because, you know, not just generation, it's just a lot of people in general. You, everybody wants the immediate, you know, the immediate wealth, the immediate title, and you got to work for that, man. And that's one thing I was blessed for when I first started coaching, I done there coaching for pennies, man. My first coaching job was like five hundred dollars. You know what I'm saying? My wife was like, "Jeez, you know, yeah." She was looking at me like, "Are you? or you know?" And then my first college job, I think I spent more on gas traveling to go coach than I made. You know what I'm saying? I was going into the negative, and I was still working seven days a week. So it's kind of like you got to get through that, you know, that part first, and then you know, the other good stuff will come.
1: Now I got, I got. Two really last recruiting questions before we sort of break it, break it down and get to the end of this thing because uh, I know you, you, your time's valuable and I don't want to keep you all day. But what is the weirdest or wildest thing a recruit has asked you for? Because I know some recruits have weird requests, but what's the weirdest thing you've been – like a recruits requested off you?
0: Certain food every week, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, you get kids asking numbers or, you know – can they order? Can you order a specific helmet? Or you know, it's just like they want to. When we're on road trips, they want their own room. And I just look at them like, you know, are they they're crazy and so on? Like, what? You know, it's like, come on now. Is uh, you know, you get a wide variety of things, you know. But the good thing, like, you that might come every so often. A lot of kids understand that where you know where they're at, they just got to try to get
1: through it and so on. So yeah. you
0: don't have you don't have too much of that.
1: Oh, yeah, I was, I was just hoping there wasn't some recruit who wanted like a weird foreign food from, you know, like the weird fish oh. dishes they have in Iceland or yeah. something. He's like, it helps me play or whatever. But the last recruiting question I have, is there a position that's harder to recruit for at JUCO? Maybe uh, quarterbacks at a premium at the junior college level or tackles or something like that?
0: yeah it's always everybody always looks for o line d line offensive tackles d tackles d line uh defense ends those are the hardest ones to get right then and there everybody in the country is looking for them right now you know it's right offensive tackles d line uh d line ends d tackles those are the ones so
1: yeah it seems like their skill sets so especially for offensive linemen need to have kick sets great hands you know great spatial awareness it seems like that would make the most sense that they're at a premium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I do. I do have one final question to ask you, and I ask this to every single guest, and it 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 catches a lot of people off guard. But how would you, Coach Harris? How would you like to be remembered?
0: Man, that's a good question, right there. You know, I think I I want to be remembered as a teacher. You know, like that was my passion. That's why I went to college for to be a teacher. You know, what I'm saying I want to be remembered as the coach, you know, everybody wants wins. You know, everybody wants a lot of money. I want to be remembered, you know, like, it's kind of crazy. I don't want to knock on wood. When, when you're at my funeral, I want to basically look out there or my wife look out there or somebody, my daughter look out there, and I want to see the the church full of former players and then with their families and little kids. And I want them to get up and basically be like, this guy helped me. You know, be able to take care of my family, and you know, cause I had a junior college coach once, It's a crazy story. I'm gonna tell you the story real fast, it's cause I I had my daughter when I was young, my first year in junior college, I was like 19 years old, and and like he was, you know, Coach Smedley. he was coached at San Bernardino Valley in California, and he's like a legendary coach out there in, in California, and, and then you know, he told me one time, he was like, look, man, I want you to be, I want you guys to be successful, and he was like a hard nosed coach too, like an older like coach. old school guy. Old school, played at USC, was a D lineman, but he cared about you, do anything for you, and so on. And he basically was like, look, I want you to be able to take care of your family. And he said, one day when when your daughter gets older, she's going to come to you, and she's going to basically ask you, you know, daddy, I want you to buy me some cleats or a pair of shoes, and you're going to be able to answer two two, uh, answers, either yes or no. He said, I always want you to be able to answer yes and be able to take care of your family. And so that's what I want my guys to remember me as is basically a guy to help them, you know what I'm saying, be able to take care of the family by getting that degree and so on like that. And so if we win, if we get some wins, we get some wins, you know, but you know, I think we're trying to build young men over here at independence. I think we want them to know that education is important. Football don't last forever, you know, even though we have a lot of talented guys. And so I want to be remembered as a guy that was a teacher on the field, you know what I'm saying, and teacher in life, and then a guy who helped, you know what I'm saying, you know, a young man take care of his family five, ten years down the road.
1: That's honestly one of the best answers we've had to that because a lot of the guests we have maybe aren't, aren't aren't coaches or anything, so they're like, oh, I just want to make people laugh. So that was like a really deep answer, and I, I think I think a lot of people enjoy hearing that.
0: No, I appreciate that.
1: Well, thank you for coming on today, Coach Harris. It's been great to talk with you. We got a lot of insight about the Netflix show. We also got a lot of insight about how it is to be a junior college coach. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. My name is Kieran. This is Kieran's Corner. And This has been Coach Harris.
0: How you doing? Hey, I appreciate y'all listening, man. Fours up and go Pirates. Dream you. There you go we we'll see you, you in much.
1: the next one, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full10Yards or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.